0: Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 17, we're more than halfway through on this journey we began in August of last year, starting in verse number 17, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. In the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old, that you put off the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye Put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'll be with us this morning as we continue our study here in the book of Ephesians. May we glean from your word what it means to be this morning, to to walk accordingly, to walk correctly, to walk like that, we have experienced what it means to have a new life in Christ. Lord, I pray that you'll strengthen us, that you'll challenge us this morning to be more like you. We give thanks to you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. It seems that the world is fascinated with fashion everywhere you turn by people's dress they are making a fashion statement it is said that in the Lon- in london that the london times on the daily report what the royal family wears every day not only does the london times report what the royal family wears every day but the London Times reports how many times the royal family changes their clothes. Absurd. It says that if you go to Japan, that a Japanese golfer will not even step on the golf course unless he is wearing thousands of dollars of endorsed clothes clothing from people who seek to support him. You see, he is making a statement of affiliation by the way he adorns himself. You know, it doesn't really matter where you go in the world. It doesn't matter whether you go to London. It doesn't matter whether you go to New York or whether you go to Chicago or wherever you go. Uh, People will use fashion the way they adorn themselves to Seek to define who they are. Here in our verses this morning, and really sectioning 17 through 24, which we'll be in this morning and Lord willing this evening, Paul takes the reader and brings them to this new thought process and what he calls in verse number 24, adorning yourself with the new man. It is a reminder uh, to to the reader, to the hearer, that what we put on every day is a direct representation of whom we are affiliated with. It is to say that how we behave is representation, a representative of who we are in Christ. Really, I guess you could say, as we've set out through understanding chapter number four, if you was to summarize chapter number four in one word, it would just be this word, love. The way the world knows whom we are affiliated with is by our unique love. The way the church knows that we are truly saved is by the way we behave one another with one another. Is that not what he says in the beginning of chapter 4? That when we're walking amongst each other, that we should walk amongst each other with humility. That we should be gentle. That we should be meek with one another. Long-suffering with one another. Forbearing one another in what? In love. Even further, that's how he sets off to explain the relationship between each other. It's a relationship that behaves in love. Even more as he goes on to explain the relationship of love in the church, he says, not only are you to love each other, but fully understand that Christ loves you. And because Christ loves you and because God loves you and he sent his son to die for you, Through Christ, in love, he has imparted gifts to the church to further unify the church and to further edify his name in the church. But now even more. That is the love that is expressed with one another, but now Paul moves, so to say, from our walk in the church to our walk in the world. He moves that, There should be a unique difference from the way a believer walks and the way an unbeliever walks. We see this emphasis here starting in verse number 17 when he says, This I say therefore. This is where we say, whenever we hear the word therefore we say, find out what it's there for. This word, therefore, is this connecting word. So he says, this I say, therefore, meaning because of everything that I've communicated unto you, this also, he says, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. Now, he'll go on in the next verses that all the way into twenty-four in which Lord willing will cover this evening, about what it looks like to see the way an unbeliever lives. He said, you can know an unbeliever when you watch their lifestyle and, and they walk in the vanity of their mind. He said, you can tell an unbeliever when you watch their lifestyle and, and their their understanding is darkened when they when they live this greedy life, when they're given over to lasciviousness. These are key indicators that they are still in darkness, that they are ungodly and have no relationship with the Lord. Key indicators. But he says here, before I go to the Worldly walk. This I say, therefore, comma. Whenever we see commas, it is to pause for a moment. It is to let the previous thought catch up and connect to the upcoming thought. So this I say, therefore, meaning because you are so gifted because of Christ's love. Because you're so blessed, because you have been so enlightened, because you have been given this understanding of God's word, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord, meaning I affirm to you in the Lord. As another believer, this is not my opinion, but I testify in the Lord. In agreement with the Lord to say, What is he testifying in the Lord? What is he agreeing? What is his testimony that we would no longer walk as the Gentiles walk? His testimony is that because we have been given this understanding of God's word, and because we have been enlightened, our eyes have been enlightened to understand God's word, this should be a key indicator that we no longer walk as the world does seems simple enough paul uses the word gentile here to reference unbelievers you see he says it's it's not a big deal when the world walks like the world it's not a big deal it's not even problematic when a believer walks like a believer that's no big deal but it is problematic When someone says that they have been enlightened, when someone says they have received understanding, when they say that they have this new life in Christ, and this is the testimony of their lips, yet their walk is the walk of an unbeliever. It's concerning when the world, (laughs) it's concerning when believers act like the world. So he's saying this, When God saved you, when God sent Christ and and the Spirit moved upon you and you received this new life in Christ, recognize this. Paul's emphasis here is that there's no such thing as a partially saved Christian. Believe that or not. He didn't halfway save you, save you from hell, but leave you on this earth to operate in sin. He didn't save us, And just say, listen, do the best you can. That's salvation. We have been delivered from sin. Now, this is not to say that you've been made sinless. This is not to say that you've been made perfect. That is far from what Paul is saying. Matter of fact, by the time we wrap up verse number 17, you'll see even more. That's the furthest thing from his mind. But it means that, As we live our Christian lives, as we're operating out here, when we make mistakes, it should seem like it bothers us. We should be affected when we fall into sin. We should be affected. We should be grieved when we're living like the world. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says what? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a partially made new creature. He is a partially reformed. He's set on a new path. No, he said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. But to further define what a new creature is, he doesn't stop there. He says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. And behold, all things are become new is to say that you were operating one day behaving in this manner at your job, and all of a sudden, after you met Christ, people start to wonder, hey, why did Jim walk away when we started to talk like this? Jesus. Well, why did Jim walk away when we started to tell this joke? Jesus. Well, why didn't he participate in taking some of this money? I mean, no one is ever going to know Jesus. The old things are dead and behold all things are become new now this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of your mind their mind notice what he says that ye henceforth Paul does not arrive here talking to the Ephesians And look to the past. Realize and remind ourselves again. When we first started this study in Ephesians. We said that this letter was written to believers. To saved believers. But then when we remind ourselves that he's written this letter to believers. It brings confusion when he says this I say therefore. And testify in the Lord. That ye henceforth. Walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. It appears that some of the Ephesians, though they had been saved, had not fully changed their walk. Though they had this new life in Christ, they had not fully uh, let go of the old man. But when Paul writes this and he already has taken us from the blessings and he's taken us from the beliefs, now he's given us the application about how we should walk in chapter number four. He says that ye henceforth. What Paul is saying when he says that ye henceforth, he means from this moment forward. The challenge is that when they heard it, when they read it, that they would make a change in that very moment. Too many times we often like to think about the mistakes that we made, living for Christ, carnal, bad decisions. Matter of fact, I think too many times as believers, we spend too much time testifying about the person that we was prior to Christ saving us and not enough time testifying about who we are today for him. He said that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind from this moment forward. It is a confession for us. The application for us today is this. Now we're going to make the confession today that from this moment forward, regardless of the mistakes I made from yesterday, Paul challenges us today to make a decision. That from this moment forward, listen, Satan won yesterday, but he ain't going to win today. the decision is today, that today I'm going to start my day living for him. Henceforth, from this moment forward, I'm not going to walk as the other people did. Recognize that salvation did not make you perfect. I wish it did. I'm tired of problems. But it doesn't make us perfect it doesn't make us have more peace. Salvation enlists us into a battle. We're at war with Satan, and when the closer we get to the Lord, the more problems we're going to experience in our lives. He says, but look how Paul handles this. He doesn't abuse them for their past decisions. Too many times, I think, as we handle even each other as believers, that when we see believers struggling in bad decisions, we spend too much time attacking their bad decisions. Paul doesn't come down with a heavy hand to the Ephesians saying, look at all the ridiculous things you've done. But instead, reminds them of what they have in Christ in hopes that that will be the seed of encouragement that they'll start living for him as they should. Let us be wise in our own application as we see other believers struggling. As we see other believers who make mistakes, as we see other believers who are troubled, let's be wise in our application that we go back to the word of God and get a greater understanding that people make mistakes and what they need at time is truth and encouragement. So this I say therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. We all need this even in our own lives. Uh, The question is, even in our own shortcomings, what are we going to do today? Only you know your struggles. Only you know your mistakes. Maybe you already have a great walk. But the question, I guess, before we move on is, do not, not the question, but it's to say, do not let yesterday's decisions hinder today's devotions. Don't let yesterday's faults hinder your focus of today. Listen to what Paul is saying here. Who are we going to be today? Paul said, these Gentiles, these people who live in the world, they walk in the vanity of their mind. This word vanity comes from a Greek word that means fruitless. It means they, they walk in a manner that their mind, it really produces nothing. Now for us, this really doesn't, okay, they walk in the vanity of their mind. But if you understand Greek culture, and to whom Paul was writing this to, the Ephesians, when he says that these Gentiles who live in the world walk, according to the vanity of their mind. This was like the ultimate slap. This was the ultimate rebuke to them because understanding Greek culture, they worshiped the mind. They, worship in, they worshiped intellect. Matter of fact, uh, they loved the great literature. They studied literature. They studied art. They studied politics. They studied uh, science. Matter, matter of fact, the Greeks were so advanced in learning that whenever they came under siege, that those who were attacking them sought to take the Greeks captive so that they could take them back to their home and have them educate their children. These people gave their their all to studying. They worshiped their mind, but Paul said, listen, We cannot walk as these unbelievers do in the vanity of their mind. The thoughts of an unbeliever fail to produce anything that will bring hope to this world. The aspirations of what we see people thinking up in the world today, they have failed to bring hope to this world. We've seen it even more today. It is the vanity of their mind. Oh, you know what you need? A higher education, a higher understanding. You need this, you need that. Even in the world, with all of the brilliant minds in the world, we have failed to conquer racism. With all of the brilliant minds in the world today, we still have depravity, it seems, on every corner. Witnessing the wickedness of people's minds A man just killed his three sons. I can't even imagine this. Yet with the world having the greatest understanding in all of history, we know more about the mind today than we've ever had. We understand the human body more today than we ever have. And yet, with all the brilliance, with all the technology, with all of the understanding, we have lacked to produce a way to bring all of this problem to a solution. Paul says all of these things, all of these thinkings, all of the things they do is in the vanity of their mind. They're seeking to develop a hope that they have no way of producing. They fail to produce. He said, in the vanity of their mind. They have reasoned themselves, but have not produced. Matter of fact, this word vanity is only used a couple different times in Scripture. It's used in Romans, when Paul was talking about that they were given over to this reprobate mind, speaking of these people who had fallen into sin. And Paul uh Peter uses this same word in Second Peter, speaking of uh, these people who were not saved. He said, They are wells without water. He said they are clouds carried with a tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. So let me explain this in another light. We as believers ought not to be walking, as I said, as the world, trying to reason how we're going to make this world better through the wisdom of the world. You see, the problem was, to kind of give it to you in an application today, how this is even possible. How we would have these Ephesian believers who were saved, but yet seemed to be operating in the vanity of their mind. What the vanity of their mind would say would be like this. Say you go to work tomorrow. And as you're sitting next to someone, they begin to offer up to you all of their ideas about what the cure is for the world. As they begin to offer up what they believe that the world needs in order to find hope. To operate in the vanity of their mind would be to allow them to reason away in their own mind to find hope. To stop them from operating in the vanity of their mind would be to take them to Jesus. You see, that is the difference. See, the Ephesians in this day, instead of, so to say, speaking up the truth, they had the truth but they allowed the speech of their day. They allowed the people around them in their day to promote something that somebody reasoned up in their own mind, but offered no hope. He says not only did they walk in the vanity of their own mind, though, but they had their understanding darkened. This is considered a perfect participle, meaning that, Not only were they in darkness, but they were always in darkness. This isn't that through time that As they lived, they became more and more darkened. No, this was their condition. Uh, Paul told Timothy in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 7, ever learning, speaking of the lost people, they were ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Listen, all of creation enjoys the brilliance of God's creation. All of creation does. A matter of fact, even the lost world enjoys the benefits of not only God's creation in the world, but they enjoy the brilliance of their mind that they are even able to learn. They are ever more capable to learn. But even with all of the learning, Paul says, they are learning, but they are never able to come to the knowledge of truth. They can send a ship to outer space. They may continue to learn, but the unregenerate soul is able to come to the reality of their need of the gospel because they are darkened unless... 2 Corinthians chapter 4.4 4, He said, In whom the God of this world hath blinded their eyes, unless what? Unless the light of the glorious gospel of Christ shines down upon them. They are darkened. They are in darkness. That's how they are. Now listen, we see this even in the world. This is how the, they are able to proclaim lies as truth. We see that every time we turn the news on. We're in the middle of a month that's celebrating lies as truth. Even more, they are celebrating immorality as morality. A bunch of nonsense as science and foolishness as religion. They are in darkness. That's what the problem is. We'll give it to you one more time and we'll wrap it up here. In darkness. Think about it in this. If you was walking down the street today and a blind man was in front of you, and there was a manhole uncovered, you would expect the blind man to fall into the manhole. If there was a blind man walking in a kitchen, you would expect the blind man to bump into the countertop. You would expect the blind man to walk into a wall. But if you've seen someone who had 20-20 vision, they didn't even wear glasses. And they was walking down the street and they fell into a manhole cover, or they bumped into a countertop, or they walked into the wall, you would think they had lost their mind. Matter of fact, when I was a kid, our house wasn't a big house, but it was a good house, and there was three of us in there, and whenever we got to running around, it was for sure that we was going to end up knocking something off the counter we was going to trip over something or worst case scenario as we ran from each other we would accidentally run into our mom usually the statement after this would be out of frustration because we just barreled her over would be open your eyes now the statement was made to us not because we were blind it's that We could see she couldn't understand how we couldn't see her. That's exactly what Paul is saying here in verses 17 and 18. The problem is not so much that believers can't see. It's that they're not opening their eyes to the truth that's right before them. This is you should be walking this way and not as them, because your eyes have been opened and their eyes have not. You have been enlightened. The light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ has shone down upon us. That's what he says in the previous chapter, that he prayed that that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. We have been enlightened. Our eyes have been made open to truth. But in the same way we would view the foolishness of a seeing man walking into the wall, a seeing man walking into the manhole, a seeing man walking into the countertop, it is the same foolishness that Paul says when a believer behaves like an unbeliever. These are two separate walks all together. He says here, you've been enlightened. Now, I, this I say, therefore, and testify. In the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened. That is the condition of the lost man, darkened. Cannot see, cannot walk. Does not know any understanding or able to gain any understanding of God. Next time we find ourselves engaging or around foolishness, remind yourself that they are not accountable for that which they say you are. Right? I mean, if you, don't, if you haven't been enlightened, what understanding do you have of the matter besides the fact that you've been given understanding and you're supposed to be the light and you're not providing understanding? It's a twofold judgment. Having our understanding we should not walk as other Gentiles walk. We'll return to this this evening. Our gracious heavenly Father, Lord, I give thanks to you this evening or this morning for the opportunity to be in your word, Lord. I pray that you'll be with us during this time, Lord, as we move forward to a, a exciting moments here for the Winton Place Baptist Church. I thank you for the opportunity you've been given to even minister here, to, to labor here. I thank you for the people here, Lord. May we all be challenged to not walk like the world. May we be challenged to not live like the world. May you continue to recall to our memory through the spirit of when we find ourselves involved in situations we should not be involved in. Be with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.